You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. At some point, we will all experience pain, loss, heartache, and suffering. A broken relationship, financial troubles, health problems, loss of a loved one, loss of a job, or the loss of a dream. It can be difficult to know where to turn or how to process the wide range of emotions we experience during these dark times. Often, our culture tells us to hide these emotions away and sweep them under the rug. But God is big enough to hear our pain and care about our suffering. The Bible is full of examples of people who lament, who cry out to God for comfort and peace. The best example is the Book of Lamentations. It is a book that demonstrates the power of turning to God, laying out our complaints, and trusting God to show up in a time of need. In dark clouds, God offers deep mercy. Hello, once again, it's uh, so good to be here with you, uh, sharing with you what uh, God has put on my heart. And as a church, Castle Hills Christian uh, church has been studying and we're going through the book of Lamentations and uh, you know la uh, lament is this cry of agony from the heart poured out to God but lament not only laments the situation the circumstance in life but it also laments what brought it about and so Lamentations teaches us a lot about that. And so today we're going to be looking at chapter 4 of the book of Lamentations. And I want to read a couple of verses just to give you an idea of what's going on. The prophet Jeremiah laments the situation of Israel, but not only laments the situation, laments what brought about this situation. And so in uh, Lamentations chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, read the following. How the gold has grown dim, how the pure gold is changed. The holy stones lie scattered at the head of every street. The precious sons of Zion worth their weight in fine gold, how they are regarded as earthen pots, the work of a potter's hands. And he continues in verses 3 to 10 to describe uh, uh, what exactly is going on, what Israel has done, the sins that Israel has committed, how they've forgotten God, and then they've fallen into this very precarious, very uh, just devastating situation. And here's verse 10, uh, just to give you an idea of all that is happening in Jerusalem and in Israel 
verse 10 reads like this. The hands of compassionate women have boiled their own children. They became their food during the destruction of the daughter of my people. The Lord gave full vent to his wrath. He poured out his hot anger and he kindled a fire in Zion that consumed its foundations. You know, that's very harsh. But lamentations and lament do not resolve the pain of God's actions quickly or neatly. It does not answer all of our questions. Life, yes, even the Christian life is not always predictable or easy to manage. Suffering, whether innocent or deserved, does not follow a formula. And so lament pours our hearts out to God and mourns what has happened. It anchors us in what we believe, waiting for the day when God will make things right. And so in chapter one of Lamentations, we see this uh, graphic, poetic, graphic uh, description of the fall of Jerusalem. Uh, we learn about the devastating consequences of sin. In chapter two, we, we saw how God's righteousness and how he can feel like an adversary when he turns against sin. In chapter three, there's that hope of new mercies every morning and the confidence in God's faithfulness is shown. And so even while Jerusalem is devastated, you know, it's a faith statement. And in other words, Jeremiah is lamenting the destruction of Jerusalem and clinging to the faith and to the hope that he knows that about God that is true. He uses lament to express his sorrow and anchor his hope in God. And so in chapter 4, we come to chapter 4, and it shows us God's mercy that comes after brokenness. God has broken his people so that he can rebuild them. And that's what God wants. He takes away things that uh, can be used by his people as crutches so that we can turn and look to him. Do you know uh, what the Bible uh, uh, kind of actually says? This is the brokenness that God wants. Uh, the brokenness where God uh, can create a path to his mercy and to his amazing grace. Uh, the psalmist wrote, you know, uh, you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, Oh God, you will not despise. He will not turn away a broken heart, a broken spirit. First uh, Peter 5 says, uh, uh, chapter 5, verses 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves before, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you 
casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And so by brokenness, I mean when God removes the objects of our trust that, you know, we are driven uh, so that we are driven to hope in him. Takes away all those things we trust so that we rely only on him. You know, do you have any crutches in your life? Uh, or, or how have you responded when God has kicked those crutches out of your life and your only hope is God? Brokenness can come because of our own sin or because of someone else's sin, you know, but it can come because the world is broken. And that's the main thing. Regardless, the result is the same. Brokenness awakens us to our need for God's mercy. You know, in his uh, book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, the author, the author uh, identifies five possible crutches or expressions of idolatry in the life of a Christian, of a person, of any person. But uh, I'd first like to share with you, uh, Church Plants, several years ago, put out an article, put out an article naming the seven top idols in America. And here you go. Uh, number seven, national security. Number six, and I believe this has fallen some in some in, in some list, money, riches, and wealth. Number five, guns. Number four, the automobile. Number three, fame and celebrity. Number two, college sports. Number one idol in America, professional sports. I mean, I don't know if they're still in that order, but uh, making an idol out of something is not necessarily a physical process, but it certainly it is a spiritual one. It means that we are imagining and trusting anything to deliver control, security, significance, satisfaction, and beauty that only the real God can do or can deliver or can give. We try to find it in something else. It means trusting a good thing into an ultimate thing. And in, in his uh, book, Dark Clouds, uh, Deep Mercy, Mark lists a series of heart idols that he draws from Lamentations chapter 4. Uh, and maybe there's, I don't know, you know, is there an idol in this list that you are tempted to worship? You know, why is it that this idol is so attractive to you? And so he lists, uh, number one, the idol of, of financial security. You know, and in Lamentations chapter 4, verse 1, that's the first thing that the prophet talks about. The gold has grown dim. The gold has changed. Suffering reveals that the security of money or fear of financial loss can easily 
become our functional gods in quotations. Money can be a common idol beneath the surface of our lives. Lament makes us realize that trusting in our self-sufficiency reveals the spiritual bankruptcy of trusting in such things. Second thing he uh, uh, mentions is the idol of relationships. Uh, verse 2, the, uh, uh, chapter 4, verse 2, the precious sons of Zion worth their weight in fine gold, how they are regarded as earthen pots. You know, before they were the talk of the world, Jerusalem the mighty, and now they are regarded as nothing, a piece of dirt, earthen pots. Suffering reveals how much we believe people can and should fix the problems around us. We think that, you know, everybody should fix everything so that my life can be made right. But Lamentations shows us that there is a limit to human leadership. Scripture warns us not to put our trust in a person, but to rather put our total trust in God. The other thing, the, the other idol is the idol of an ideal society. Chapter 4, verse 4, the tongue of the nursing infant sticks to the roof of its mouth for thirst. The children beg for food, but no one gives to them. And so suffering reveals disillusionment, disgust, maybe even prayerlessness, hardness, and disappointment with the world. After all, that's why we pay our taxes. That's why we have our government, to give us everything we need. And because we want, no, we crave cultural comfort. We crave comfort in our society you know, it becomes easy to ignore the brokenness and the cruelty around us. Believing that society is good, that everything is fine, and then we just become blind to society and brokenness and cruelty around us. And so we have also, uh, Mark identifies the idol of spiritual leadership. Verse uh, 13, this was, the sin, this was for the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests who shed in the midst of her the blood of the righteousness, of the righteous. Suffering reveals our inordinate trust in spiritual leaders. You know, and we've all known Persons who, uh, someone, their spiritual leader can do no wrong. And trust me, that's the way it should be. But leadership failure at any level is very sobering. And chapter 4 laments the loss of spiritual authority and reminds us about the danger of resting on perceived spirituality of religious leaders. The fifth idol that we need to unearth 
is the idol of spiritual optimism. Uh, verse uh, 6, For the chastisement of the daughter of my people has been greater than the punishment of Sodom, which was overthrown in a moment, and no hands were wrung for her. Suffering reveals how much we believe we have earned or deserve and how little we know of the grace of God. You know, we're, I'm a good person. You know, we have this spiritual optimism. I, 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 I don't do this, I don't do that, I do this, I do that. And, and so why, what could possibly uh, God find that's wrong with me? I, I'm just uh, an absolutely, uh, as I like to, to tell uh, our, our Spanish-speaking folk, uh, we believe ourselves as the super C, super Christian. And we believe we have somehow fallen to that trap that we have and can do no wrong. And so we must remember that divine favor does not give people permission to proudly ignore God's warning. We are reminded that divine blessing does not guarantee a pain-free life or a receptive culture. Not everybody is going to like us. Job 42 verses 5 and 6. You know, he, he's going through this whole circumstance in his life and he finally blurts out these words. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Brokenly, brokenness that leads us to see God is not wasted. Pain that leads you to trust in God is not pointless. The key, however, is whether or not we can embrace the brokenness that God brings because it brings us something better, God himself. God broke Israel because her trust was not in him. He could not allow Israel to continue the path of rebellion against him. He loved her too much to allow her to go on her way, her own way. And you see, this kind of perspective on brokenness changes everything. It actually makes you thankful that God has leveled you because of what it brought you. Brokenness leads to mercy because brokenness leads to God. And for the believer, that is the greatest treasure of all. Because after all, it was through the brokenness of Jesus Christ, our Savior, that we are saved, that we have eternal life that we have that hope of everlasting glory with our precious God.
Thank you, Father, for showing us through your word just how much you love us and how you will use brokenness to draw us, to bring us to you. Thank you, in Jesus' name.